Companion. This is episode 215. I am your host, Brian Williams. I'm Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. And today we're discussing Voyager's fourth season episodes, Waking Moments, and Message in a Bottle. Let's do it. Waking Moments, Season 4, Episode 13, Production Code 182, Original Air Date, January 14th, 1998, Directed by Alexander Singer, Written by Andre Bormanis, Music Composed by David Bell. Guest cast include Mark Coulson as Dream Alien and Jennifer Grundy as Ensign. The Voyager crew are assaulted in the form of nightmares. An alien species functioning only in a dream world disables the crew and traps them in a shared dream. Chakotay strives to stay awake and help the doctor disable the alien's hold on the crew, all while wondering if he is still dreaming. All the time I thought I was negotiating, they were just setting us up to fly right into their web. You couldn't have known it was a trick. I don't understand. They exist in dreams and reality. Apparently, entering our dreams was their way to learn about us, perhaps to probe our weaknesses. Not to mention lure us into an ambush. We need to retake the ship. That means getting out of this cargo bay. I checked the Jeffrey's tubes. They're sealed. Steve, wake us up. Tell us all about Waking Moments. <laughs> I think this is one of them that I kind of confuse with other episodes because it, there's a couple, there's elements of it that remind me of other episodes. We only recently had the one where the uh, aliens were medically experimenting on uh, the crew. And um, then I'm all, there's also some things that are in common with uh, that next gen episode where uh, Riker's being experimented on in his sleep and, or maybe I'm thinking, again, I'm mixing up things. Maybe it's the one where he's like, you can't tell if he's in what, what is reality and what isn't. I don't know. But um, anyway, regardless, um, I mean, it, it's, it's kind of interesting. There's um, it's creepy. Uh, the aliens are creepy. Um, there's some very unusual imagery we get to, um, see uh Chakotay's spiritual powers again they're trying to find him a niche here of something interesting he can do on the ship um we saw that with neelix last time um <clears throat> yeah i don't know what else really to say about it i'm i can't say i'm a huge fan of it but i like it fine whatever adam did this episode put you to sleep <laughs> see what i did there <laughs> i was snoring the whole time wondering if i was awake tapping myself on the wrist wake up wake up no, I pretty much agree with Steve. Um, it's 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 a fine episode. It's kind of, I mean, I think if we were talking about this episode maybe in season one or two, we'd probably be more impressed. But um, as we've gone along in Voyager, their consistency has gotten a lot better as far as quality of episodes. So <clears throat> for a season four episode, I'd put it as a kind of a run of the, you know, good average episode. It's entertaining. It's kind of an interesting, you know, you know, the dream world, you know, the layers of dreams. I mean, you know, since this episode's come out, we've had, you know, numerous movies, you know, they've come out and kind of done this kind of storyline. Obviously, um, Inception would be the most notable. So I kind of was thinking about that movie while I was watching this episode. But, um, you know, it's interesting, the interesting notion of a shared dream and um, kind of what goes on in the dream world, you know, the concept of, you know, like um, you're living in that dream world. It's interesting to kind of see them go with an alien race doing this um the only thing i was wondering is like well how do they do they wake up and eat and then go back to bed i don't know they didn't really get into that but i probably wasn't really necessary for the detail that they went on in this episode but yeah overall it was entertaining yeah there isn't a lot to talk about in this one i mean it's just it's the idea of this alien species that their sleepy time is their reality i guess 
So uh, it's kind of an idea there, but other than that, maybe it's because I saw this episode before, but like the first time Chakotay wakes up in the sick bay, I'm like, oh, he's not really awake. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. So I never really felt like there was a lot of mystery to it. I thought it was kind of cool when Chakotay goes to the planet, you just have like this sea of sleeping aliens in that cave or whatever. But that was, I mean, that was a cool image. Mm-hmm. So basically, the, what I, the, the concept, the aliens were afraid that, um, this was kind of struck me as a kind of weak that the, well, the aliens were afraid that people were going to come and conquer them. So instead, they kind of attacked them first, even though they were pretty well hidden. I kind of thought that was a little bit weak, but I mean, it's kind of the, the weaker points of the, the plot structure of the episode. Yeah, I'm not sure that that made any sense to me. Did you follow that, Steve? Not, not exactly. No, I don't see how this is a very practical. <laughs> um, this whole thing is a little impractical. I don't. Just in case they discover our existence and come to kill us, let's tell them we exist. <laughs> it, was pretty, it was pretty fortunate. Um, Jacote, you know, came across one of these, I guess, thousands of aliens that are in this room that happened to be in the room uh, in the dream with Voyager, and he disappeared when he woke him up. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty, yeah. pretty fortunate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it worked out. Oh, and also, it was wonderfully fortunate that when Chakotay fell asleep, he appeared right where Janeway and the others were. Yeah. Yes. So I guess physical presence isn't what keeps uh, Voyager dream altogether. The one thing that I did notice about these two episodes that we're going to talk about today, we'll get into this more in a minute, is, you know, the doctor had a lot of responsibility. You know, he had to to fire Mm torpedoes, possibly, you know, fire torpedoes on this planet or phasers. I did make one note. When Chicote is hunting the deer in like the mess hall, I wrote, "Folks, this is what you call a bottle episode." <laughs> <laughs> I did, you know, the um, you know, the um, who was it? The Tuvok thing was amusing. You know, the naked dream. Pretty sure all of us have, or at least I've had yeah, that before. Yeah. That was a, there were some amusing parts in this episode. That was that was somewhat amusing. There is a funny, true story about that day on the set i mean i've i've heard i feel like i've heard more than one voyager crew member tell this i mean voyager actor tell the story at different conventions over the years but basically tim russ you guys have heard that heard this before he had the prop department or something make a massively large appendage (laughs) (laughs) so So he came onto the bridge and, and just and took off his robe (laughs) <laughs> so the laughter was real then is what you're saying mm-hmm. I think it was more amusing when um, Janeway and um, Tuvok were in the turbo lift discussing it afterwards that was a little bit more amusing well Russ's thing I think was a Vulcan wouldn't really feel embarrassment so he had to play it a different way you know mm-hmm. it's I don't know sh- even shame is eh. But yeah, it's a funny moment. I always thought it was funny. I, they didn't really, they could have shot it another way. You really just see from the chest up. I mean, for all we know, he's walking around the ship in his underwear. But yeah, yeah. They could have done like a shot, you know, like Austin Powers thing, covered up. Yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. A chair or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Is this episode about anything? Um, yeah, I think that's where we might fall a little bit short, um, here, because, um, 
I don't really know what they were they were trying to go with with this alien species. It's, I don't know. This just kind of seems more like pure entertainment, not really trying to say much. Um, I could make something up or stretch something that I saw in here, but I'm, I'll, I'll let Steve navigate this. Yeah, do a better I'm, job than me. Well, I'm I'm struggling with it too. I, I um, yeah. I mean, I don't I don't know what to what to think about this. You know, you could yeah, you could fabricate some something about. Um, the uh, f- fragile nature of reality and what's real and what's not and blah blah blah. I'm, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't really think they succeeded in saying anything distinctive here. An average episode at best with some mm-hmm. good ideas. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't have much to say, so it doesn't hold up so well. Right. Okay. Yeah, I haven't said it in a while, but uh, our general show premise here is the episodes that have something to say, the episodes that are about something, are the ones that tend to hold up better. Not always true, but that's that was always the general point of view of our podcast. But I mean, you know, but I will say this. I mean, you know, the episode was interesting. It flowed pretty well. I mean, you know, there wasn't like any like lulls or times where I'm like, oh, what are they, where I was bored or like, what are they trying to do here? So, I mean, it's, it's, it's just kind of a pure entertainment episode is how I would describe it. It's just, it doesn't really have anything to say. Pure entertainment. Like our podcast. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's do six degrees for waking moments steve mm-hmm. you going first or second i'll go first jennifer gundy plays the ensign that greets a naked tuvok in the hallway for voyager's first three seasons she was a stand-in for what actress hmm great if i can't even picture her now um roxanne dawson nope adam um will that be kess yeah, but I asked for the actress's name. The actress's name, um, Jennifer Lee. I don't know. There you go. That's okay. it. That's it. It's it's it was me saying she was just just the stand-in for the first three seasons that was oh, kind of the, the hint there. But then they, so so they gave her a they let her be an extra occasionally, and they gave her her one and only line in this episode when she see. when she sees him naked and she's like, uh, "Hi, oh, sir," my. or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> I think it would have been more funny if she would have went, "Oh my." <laughs> Adam Andre Bormanis wrote this episode, so he was a sometimes writer. But what was his full-time job on Star Trek? What was his job title what on every job? episode? DS9, Voyager, and some of Next Gen. The last one or two seasons. His job title. Um, I believe it's there. Yep. He's he's so you said he sometimes wrote. But he did other things in his specific job title. Yes, I don't know. I'll just give this one to Steve. I'm just going to get. I mean, I don't know. Editor. Steve? Is it a science consultant? That is correct. He was the science guy that they went to to. Whenever they just wrote Technobabble or Tech the Tech in the script, he was the one that <laughs> came <laughs> up with what they actually were doing. All right. One to one. Moving on. Wait, did you both just steal the other ones? Uh-huh. Yes. yes, that doesn't happen very often. <laughs> <laughs> okay, one to one.
Message in a Bottle, Season 4, Episode 14, Production Code 181, Original Air Date, January 21st, 1998, Directed by Nancy Malone, Story by Rick Williams, Teleplay by Lisa Klink, Music Composed by Paul Belergen. Guest cast include Andy Dick as EMH Mark II, Judson Scott as Rikar, Valerie Wildman as Nevala, Tiny Ron as Idrin, and Tony Sears as Starfleet Officer. Seven of Nine uses the newly extended range of Voyager sensors to locate a network of alien sensor stations. Patching into this, she is able to locate a Federation vessel in the far reaches of the Alpha Quadrant. Hoping finally to make contact with home, Voyager's crew attempts to send a message along the relay, but is reflected back to them after degrading en route. Thinking that a holographic signal would be stronger and not degrade so quickly, they send the doctor as a data stream. Computer, can I access this ship's EMH program, or do I need some kind of clearance for that, too? Access to that program is unrestricted. Activated. Please state the nature of the medical emergency. What the hell are you doing in my sick bay? Adam, what did you think of Message in a Bottle? Message in a Bottle. Um, it's a memorable episode, you know, obviously because they make contact with the Alpha Quadrant and another um, Federation ship. You correct me if I'm wrong, I think it's the first time we see an actual another Federation ship up to this point. So in that regard, it's kind of memorable. You know, they finally get it across to the Alpha Quadrant that they're still alive. So we get that from this episode. But um, to me, I mean, the episode's very entertaining. You know, the Doctor, I think we all can agree we, we, we love the character of the Doctor and the way he's portrayed. And um, this is kind of an interesting way to get him involved in his own episode off the ship. And, you know, it's kind of creative. They don't even have to use the hollow emitter. Um, so they get him onto this experimental ship all the way back into the Alpha Quadrant. They come up with a pretty clever way to do that. This range of um, sensors that are in the Delta Quadrant that they're in, they're able to send this message into the Alpha Quadrant and, and um, beam them into this ship. Um, so, and then the, you know, the Prometheus, it's kind of, it's a cool prototype ship. I mean, you know, let me get kind of, you know, the, the Romulan. So it's fun, you know, and Andy Dick is fun, you know, and they have to, you know, regain control of the ship. I think they kind of gloss over things there in the end on how they, get control of the ship and they, you know, save the day, but it's, and it doesn't ruin the episode for me at all. So overall, it's kind of a, it's, it's kind of a fun romp. And it also, you know, it helps progress the, the story of Voyager because they finally do make contact with the Alpha Quadrant. Yeah. A rare, like series arc narrative point here at the end. Steve, your first thoughts, message in a bottle. Yeah, I think this is a very it's 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 a very pivotal episode because of all these all the things that we have already been spoken of. I mean, yeah, the first time they make contact with the Federation, the Prometheus is cool and interesting. You see this new tech tech. Um, first time we see the Herogen, which play a big role, you know, coming up here um, for a while on on Voyager. But I mean, I, in general, I think it's I think it's it's entertaining and it's fun. I don't know if it's a it has much meat to it. You know, it's it's kind of um, a lot of play and silly and things like that, and that's fine now and then. But I, I don't know that it really is a particularly deep episode. Um, also, because there are parts that you know you don't you know you, he just comes back and relays what he you talk to people and that's that and it's wrapped up really quickly and I, you know i get it why they do it the way they did but um 
Yeah. So, and it's also kind of unusual too. This is one of these that definitely has like almost like an A, B, and C story. You know, that's that's kind of rare. You know, where there's a lot going on and they're sticking things in there. You've got um, Tours and Sevens spat or whatever, and then you have uh, the whole trying to make another uh, Doctor program back on the ship in addition to what's going on in the Prometheus. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure that the, especially that C line with Kim and Paris. I'm not sure it works real well seems kind of yeah it's silly it's kind of silly and maybe a little pointless mm-hmm. you know kim could have at least been like look if the doctor doesn't come back for a couple of weeks then we'll talk again about this mm-hmm. yeah i think they just took it to i can kind of see where they were going with tom paris being like scared that he might be stuck in the sick bay but i mean you know, they kind of to me they kind of half-assed it just with you know trying to make oh we're just gonna just dump all the the material into this program and see what happens i mean you obviously knew that this wasn't going to work, so I don't, it just kind of seemed flimsy with with where they went with that story. The Torres and Seven stuff works a little better. They've got an interesting chemistry. I, even, I didn't love that stuff either, though, really, because I feel like, I don't know, I just feel like we've seen that scene already. And But that stuff worked better than the Kim and Paris stuff, and uh, we do get a little tag there with seven saying thank you whenever Taurus commends her for shocking that guy. <laughs> I think the reason, you know, they kind of set up the, epi- they start off the episode with them, um, you know, that discussion between um, Taurus and Jacote and it um, kind of, it almost seems like you're going to get this episode between um, Blana and seven. Um, and that doesn't materialize. And the scenes that are between them, they really aren't, um, they don't really have much to them. You know, it's basically Bellana saying, you know, you're rude. And that coming from Bellana doesn't have a lot of weight because, you know, <laughs> Bellana was kind of the rude one, um, you know, for the first several seasons. So it's, there's not really much there that I don't really even feel like they kind of bonded or made any kind of connection. It basically was like, you're rude. Start saying please and thank you. And, it, and that's where they kind of end it and didn't really have anything to it. I do like that. Um, so Seven sends out this report immediately to the captain and Chakotay, and you're thinking she's going to say something that was not an emergency. Like, what could she possibly come up with to warrant her insisting that the captain and the XO come to her station immediately? Found a Starfleet vessel in the Alpha Quadrant that we can communicate with. You know what? That seems... <laughs> that seems appropriate. <laughs> yeah, that seems appropriate. Come here immediately. Yeah. So, yeah, the Doctor and EMH Mark II stuff, they are funny together. You know, I think, feel like I've maybe I've seen this episode one too many times. And <laughs> yeah, maybe that takes it down a peg, but, uh, but they're funny together. They are funny. They are funny. They have a good chemistry. The writing is good. I like the jokes. Maybe it, you know, it just feels, I think the Prometheus itself feels a little sparse or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. And we don't really see like those other ships. We never see into them. We just, there's just some audio communication or whatever. But I think, I do think this episode pretty works pretty well because of the, of Andy Dick and Robert Picardo's chemistry. This is one of the rare. I mean, I, I think this episode is pretty much a flat-out comedy. I mean, it's pretty much as close as Star Trek gets anyway. Mm-hmm. If it weren't for those B and C storylines, which aren't really so uh, openly, broadly uh, comedic. 
you know, I, I, I think this is as close as Star Trek really gets to comedy, right? Mm-hmm. How'd you guys feel? I mean, you know, we also get, um, what's it, from Wrath of Khan, what is it, Judson? Is that, is that his name? Judson Scott? Is that, we got the mm-hmm. right actor? Yes. So you get a little, <clears throat> you know, Wrath of Khan in here, like, oh yeah, I remember him. Mm-hmm. Cool. And then we get the ending. So, so originally, they shot, now this is not something Voyager did a lot, well, most Star Trek, you know, as far as shooting it and then cutting it all in and then realizing, oh, we should reshoot this. They did. The, the ending was originally a much bigger deal when the, the doctor was in the mess hall and there were a whole bunch of extras there, like it was the whole crew, and he announced that they'd made contact to the Alpha Quadrant. And they just felt like it was too big. So they went and they reshot and they just did this little thing in sick bay with him and Janeway and a couple of others. And I think it works great. You know, he just says, mm-hmm. they asked me to tell you, they wanted you to know you're no longer alone. And, so, and, 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 you know, Janeway gets a little emotional and I think it works great. And that's, and that's, that's exactly what you needed. And yeah, from here on out, it really does change. Like even an episode that doesn't have anything to do with the alpha quadrant just every episode of Voyager from here on out has like this slightly different slant to it. It has mm-hmm. this slightly different um, trajectory or point. Glad they did it. I remember being, I remember at the time thinking, you know, it was a really big deal. And I think at this point on this show, we were all thinking, yeah, but it'll go seven seasons like the other Star Treks. So this is halfway ish. And that seems like a good time to, put our first toe in to the alpha quadrant. Mm-hmm. So do you guys kind of, I mean, you guys kind of agree with this level of interaction? Um, you don't think it was too early. You, do you remember the, really noting it at the time? Certainly looking back on it, we can see how it was the beginning. Yeah. No, I, I remember it. And I, I don't, I didn't think it's, I don't think it's too early or they either drug it out too long or anything like that. I, I think it was good. Yeah, it was just enough. They didn't go, they didn't go overboard. Obviously we'll get more alpha quadrants as we go along, but yeah, I think it was just the right amount to kind of, you know, I think you said it right. You know, to just, you know, tip their toe into the alpha quadrant. I think it was appropriate. And I do remember it from way back when I remember it being kind of a big deal. The one, the one joke that makes, that made me laugh out loud this time still is, uh, when the computer asks both EMHs who it should target. Oh, yeah. And they both say, Romulans. Why that makes me chuckle every time. Yeah, like Steve said earlier, the Prometheus is pretty cool. It's kind of, it's a cool design. You know, it does this cool battle stuff. And obviously, you know, when Andy Dick talks about the Dominion, I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. Deep Space Nine deep. Deep Space Nine is going on at the same time. Also, I mean, yeah, I get a keen awareness. I haven't even thought about it in forever, but you get a keen awareness of how the uniforms have changed. I'm like, oh yeah, they they all had the you know the kind of the more the next gen look because that's they didn't start changing the uniforms till later. No, the on next gen feature look. Yeah. yeah. DS Nine changed over. Apparently, this is the only mention of the Dominion on Voyager. Hmm. If I read that correctly. Makes sense. Uh, is this episode about anything? Well, I mean, I think it has a lot to do with, like you were talking about, the the arc of the story, the progression of um, the Starship Voyager and its, you know, its voyages in the Delta Quadrant. So I think um, 
from a series storyline, it has a lot to say about um, storyline. I I don't know necessarily what they were what they were trying to say here about the human condition. I mean, you know, maybe you could go back to the EMHs that you can um, you can go above of above and beyond your programming or what you're trained to do. Um, it kind of has a little bit of that. You can achieve more than what you kind of think you can do. So I think it has a little bit of that in it. But I mean, I think overall it's more about advancing um, the storyline of Voyager. Yeah, I agree. I don't know that it has a real firm, you know, message or, you know, thing to say in that regard. But it does, uh, it does, it is consistent with, I think, the whole theme of the whole show. I mean, this is definitely along the lines of how the, the, the big goal here is getting home. And, you know, there's a lot of big, you know, you know, risks taken and desperate acts, you know, and things done to just, to just deliver a message or just to make one step toward, you know, toward home or whatever here. And so, so yeah, it's, that's kind of what I think about it. Yeah. That reminds me, I didn't say it, but that, that moment is kind of exciting at the beginning where it's like, you know, going to be out of range in two minutes, 30, in, in 30 seconds, we, we got to send the doctor now, whatever that, that sequence actually works pretty well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, let's do six degrees for message in a bottle. Adam, because you brought it up, I'm sure you were expecting it. <laughs> Judson Scott plays the Romulan commander, Rikar. Name the character he played in Star Trek II as Khan's Exo. Unofficially, unofficially, Khan's son. You've uh, that, that was never really established in, in dialogue or in credits or anything like that, but I've definitely read over the years that he was intended to be constant. I don't know. Yeah, I kind of had that feel towards the end when he died. Um, so, I mean, I, I didn't cheat. I just looked this up after I watched the episode. I don't know how to pronounce the name. It's Joe Jachim? No, no, no. So as Khan's grabbing him and holding him, Joaquim, I will avenge you. Joaquim, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Joaquim. Joaquim, yes. J-O-A-C-I. H I M. Yes. Joaquim. Steve mm-hmm. Scott also played Sobi, a Breckian that continued to provide a drug to exploit the Arnaran people, even though they no longer needed it. In the next gen episode, Symbiosis, what season was that? Now, if you can picture any of those people, I think you can tell me what season it was. Mm. <laughs> oh, was it the uh, first season? Yes, sir. It was the first season. And they definitely look. First season. First season. <laughs> no collars. <laughs> no collars. Not just no them, beard. I mean, but the um Judson Scott's character and all those I mean the, you know, you know that first season look. It's the costumes and stuff. Yeah, eighties hair and glittery costumes and tight and everything. Yep. Yeah. There was no beard either. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh so you guys tied it for the day, I think. Mm-hmm. You swapped each other's questions in the first round and and got your own questions in this round. <laughs> so, folks, we are recording this episode a little bit earlier, but we're going to post it at our normal time. So forgive us if anything interesting happened in the world of Star Trek that we're not talking about uh, because we're, like I said, recording this episode early. But there isn't much to report other than uh, dis- I saw that Discovery was officially picked up for the third season. Mm-hmm. Not surprising anybody, but... That's good. We will be back in two weeks to discuss the next three episodes. From here on out, we're back to our regular three-episode discussion. 
Uh, we'll be discussing the next three episodes of Voyager, the fourth season, in two weeks. So until then, send us an email, trekcompanion at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Trek Companion. Our Facebook listener page is facebook.com slash trekcompanion. And until next time, thanks for spending an hour with us and take it easy. Bye, guys. See ya. Stefan, I passed it.